Matthew 22, verse 23. That's where we are. That same day, some Sadducees stepped forward, a group of Jews who say there is no resurrection after death. They posed this question. Teacher, Moses said if a man dies without children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will be the brother's heir. Well, there were seven brothers. The oldest married and then died without children. So the second brother married the widow. This brother also died without children and the wife was married to the next brother and so on until she had been married to each of them. And then she also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For she was the wife of all seven of them. Jesus replied, your problem is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. For when the dead rise, they won't be married. They will be like the angels in heaven. But now, as to whether there will be a resurrection of the dead, haven't you ever read about this in the scriptures? Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead. When the crowds heard him, they were impressed with his teaching. Now, as you see, what's going on right here is the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, pretty much anybody in the Jewish different, one of the Jewish sects, is attacking Jesus to knock him down from his authority. They are going after him uh, and trying to uh, uh, have him say something that will give them cause to throw the book at him. The Pharisees just tried it. They gathered together with the Herodians. And if you were here on Christmas Eve when we talked about taxes, you'll know that that was a weird conglomeration of people, the Pharisees and the Herodians. They came together because of the power of Christ to go against him. They missed. They took a swing. They missed. So now here come the Sadducees. They're having their turn. And they are throwing out one of the hot-button theological issues of the day, resurrection. Now, the Sadducees were one of the most powerful groups of Jews around. They were the leaders of the Sanhedrin, uh, which is to say they were the people who essentially made all of um, the decisions. They were the ultimate say-so in what happens in the Jewish life and circle. They uh, were very wealthy. They had uh, usually the chief priests, and so they made money from the operation of the church, of religion. They were in bed with the Romans because the Romans put them in power. And as to not shake things up, they left them in power and kept them there. So they didn't want the Roman thing to end because if it did, they might lose their power, their riches, their authority, their place in society. They also were very sure that the only scripture you needed to look at were the books of Moses, the first five books, the Pentateuch, um, the first five books of the Bible that we would say. That was the only place where you would find what the Sanhedrin said. If it's not in there, don't worry about it. They didn't care about the prophets, didn't care about the uh, poetic writings, didn't care about any of that stuff. It was all the first five books. Now, their claim was this resurrection thing wasn't in the first five books. And if it's not, then it ain't real. The Pharisees, the guys who were the letter of the law, they believe very strongly in the resurrection. So much so, I, I read one scholar believes this, and I don't know if it's true, but I think it's funny, so I will mention it. Uh, the, the Pharisees believed that there were cavities throughout the world. That when a Jew died away from home, away from the homeland, when they were buried, they would fall into the cavities and roll all the way back to the Holy Land. So that when the resurrection happened, they'd all be right there together. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty funny. Um, 
But who knows if that belief was true or not. But they believed very strongly in the resurrection. And so they would attack the Sadducees about this and throw out some scriptures from the first five books. But nothing ever really answered the question. There was nothing that really just put it to bed. And the Sadducees went, yeah, you're right. You're good on this one, but you're wrong on a whole bunch of other things. So we're going to keep our division going. So there's this division amongst the people. The majority of the people believe what the Pharisees did. But the Sadducees were bringing it up. And they bring it up in this absurd way, right? What a crazy story. There are seven brothers, and they pick this law from Deuteronomy chapter 25. It's a real law that if, um, you know, it's, it's, as it says, you're married to a guy, he doesn't give you a kid, he dies, you marry his brother. If he's not already married, and the first kid that you have will be the heir to his older brother and so on there's there's even a law that says um should the brother refuse to marry his um dead brother's wife then she takes him in front of the elders unties his sandals spits in his face and he is forever cursed as the family of untied sandals <laughs> you know <laughs> but, but but i guess that was a big thing you know so 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 there's this law that they they bring forward and they give this absurd story about the seven people and what's going to happen in, in heaven. And, um, and Jesus essentially answers them by going, what, what, you don't even understand what's going to happen when resurrection happens. You're assuming it's going to be like it is here, but that's not the case. When resurrection happens, when redemption happens, when the world is reconciled, it's not going to be like it is now. Because quite honestly, how many of us would want that? You know, when, when Jesus comes back, there will be a time when there is no more pain or suffering or death or hunger or sickness. That's what I want. That's what he promises us. So why would we want to hold on to an antiqu- Why would we want to hold on to this way of life that is dark and where evil exists everywhere? As Downey said, you know, that button that we each have and that, the, that, that Satan just picks on. I know your weakness and I will exploit it. Why do we want to live in a world where that exists? And God says, when I come back to bring redemption to the world, that stuff's gone. You can't think of the resurrection in terms of right now. Because it just isn't. And so he begins to talk like that. And then he goes to scripture, a scripture that the the Sadducees would have known very well because it is throughout the first five books, the way that God was addressed, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob. They would have known that they would have said it time and time again. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Long after they were dead, I am. Jesus says, and he's the God of the living, not the dead. In other words, what he did was go, wham, this issue is over. You just got scripturized. He brings the thing that they base their life on and that they say is all there is. And he says, okay, here you go. As it says, he did what no other rabbi could do. He brings this beautiful bit 
of Scripture. So, what you could do here is talk about the afterlife and what's going to happen. You could go down that whole talk of what's going to happen when you get to heaven. How, how many of you have ever been to heaven? Yeah. <laughs> not, not, many, not many of us have actually been there and then have come back and go, hey. Now, there was Downey reminding me that there's that book. There's a couple of books out recently. Um, the one that got the most publicity was, what's it called? Heaven's for Real. Heaven's for Real. Um, about that little boy. And there are other accounts of people who have been places. There's a book of Revelation of which stuff happens. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not smart enough to really go out on a limb there. Like, I have an idea of what I think heaven will be like, and I have an idea of probably what I want heaven to be like, you know? And when I get there, God's like, really? That's what you thought it'd be like? Probably. I got so much better things planned for you. This is going to be so much cooler. Then there's the whole issue of the human side of us that comes in and you think, wait, I won't be married, but I love my wife. You know, I, I... I know that in the marriage uh, vows, it says, until death do us part. When we got married, Jenna wanted to take that part of the vows out. And um, the goofball pastor who did our wedding, Scott Hare, who I replaced, he said, okay, sure. And then he forgot as we're doing it. And she looks at him like during the wedding ceremony, you can just see the tenseness. She just goes, uh-oh. <laughs> but you have this kind of this, uh, this thought of, yeah, I get it. I don't want to leave that behind. Love my wife. We're best friends. Sure, we go through some tough times, and I want those to end. But man, I want to hang out with her. My kids? Absolutely. To be known and to know in heaven. Is it going to happen? I want to see my granddaddy again. Talk to him. He was a funny, funny man whom I didn't get to know as well as my brother did. And and I want to know him a whole lot more. I know he's up there. Will I get to do that? I I want to talk to Paul. (laughs) That dude rocked, you know? I want to go talk to him and, you know, and go, you're awesome. I mean, the strength and the courage you had. To go back into Ephesus and go, no, wait, I can convince the 20,000 people who want to kill me that Jesus is God. Let me go in there. And people are like, no, let's leave. But to have that strength and courage in what he believed, wow. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like. All I know is it's going to be better than it is now. What God chooses to do with that, you know, he's God, I'm not, you know. All right, man, I know God is love. And because of that, I believe that it will be good. But, but then I go to a place where, okay, what do I do now? There's a guy by the name of Billy Sunday. Um, I just started reading this book uh, by Eugene Peterson called Living the Resurrection. And I'm only like 30 pages in, so I really can't tell you what it's going to be about, except I, I think that it's about living the resurrection. Um, and so he opens with Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday, for those of you who don't know, was a, this, this tremendously um, uh, famous evangelist a long time ago. And he kind of, he'd read, he led these revivals around the country where they, the tent, the old-fashioned tent revival, and he set up these tents, 
And they'd put sawdust down the aisle in the middle of the chairs. And, and usually it was because it was to keep the dust down if it were dry or to keep the mud down if it had rained recently. But what happened, what started happening was there was this term because um, after Billy would preach, he would do his altar call. You know, and he'd get fired up as those preachers did. And he'd go, come on down. You know, there'd be people up there. And, uh, and he, it was the sawdust trail. Make your walk down the sawdust trail. And that was kind of uh, this term that came after him. And it was, you know, yeah, I made my walk down the sawdust trail. Meaning I met Christ. I gave my life to Christ. And one of the things that Billy used to say was the perfect way. It was something along these lines was <clears throat> to give your life to Christ. To walk down the sawdust trail. To give your life to Christ. To get up, walk straight out and get hit by a Mack truck. Bam! Go to heaven. Because you're in, and then you're in. You don't have the rest of it. You don't have that time in between where you have the world, and you have temptation, and you have sin, and you have all these different outside influences that try to pull you away from the sawdust trail, if you will. So we have this, this, uh, this reality that we are all here now living in between our acceptance of Christ when you did that, if you have done that, and the resurrection. This moment between those two realities, when you accept Christ and when he comes back and gets you. I believe, as he says, in my, in my father's house or many rooms, I'm going to pl- prepare a place for you. When I'm ready, I'm going to come and get you to bring you to be with me. But in the meantime... In the meantime, and what is that? It's life. It's living. It's family. It's friends. It's work. It's your neighbors. It's strangers, widows, orphans. It's the world. And what do you do? What do you do in the meantime? Living the resurrection. I have no idea where Eugene's going to go with this. Peterson's going to go with this. But where I'm taking it is this. We have an honor. Those of us that have walked the sawdust trail and given our life to Christ. We have an honor to be the light of the world now. The light of the world is Christ. But he went to be with dad. He said, look, I'm going to go be with dad for a little bit. I'm going to make you a place in our house. But in the meantime, I want you to go and to be me. So there you go. What do we do in the meantime? We love. Period. And once he does this with the Sadducees and and he slams the scriptures on them and they're like, Okay, you know, and they walk away. The the next thing that happens, you'll see, is the Pharisees come back. They're like, all right. They stretched out and they're coming back in. And they ask him a question. What's the greatest commandment? What does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. What do you do in between accepting Christ and the resurrection? Love God. Love others. That's it. Billy Crystal was wrong. Anybody follow me there? My mind's really fast. It wasn't just one thing. I guess it was Jack Palance, but 
two. Love God. Love others. Let me tell you something. Somebody came up to me after the 930 service and said, hey, we, we just moved here um, a while ago. We've been going to this other church. We decided we're going to start looking around at other churches. And we came here, and I'm like, hey, how, how, how you doing? I'm Michael. Um, and uh, they're like, we don't want it to just be about, we want to be in a community where it's not just about Sunday morning. And I went, me too. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about how we're going to do this because, you know, yeah. Um, and we kind of talked about that and they're like, how can we, you know, where can we get involved with different things? And we talked for a little bit about it. And, and my, and my thought was, um, living this resurrection doesn't happen right here. It doesn't. It's part of it. Sure. You can love God and love others here, but to really get into loving God and loving others, you got to leave. You got to go be where you are. Now, you don't have to be the Micklers and go to Africa and God love you and bless you for doing that. <laughs> you don't have to go to that far extreme. If God's telling you, then absolutely. You don't have to go to seminary and God love you if he releases you from that burden. <laughs> what you got to do is be who God's creating you to be. And sometimes it's being right where you are. Sometimes it's being a teacher in a school or a welder or a doctor or just a neighbor. We can love God here by worshiping him and singing songs of praise. Yeah. We can love others by fellowshipping and and saying good morning and, and peace be with you here, sure. But to really live the resurrection to really be the disciple of Christ that we're called to be in between the moment of acceptance and resurrection to fit in good. We got to get up and get out. Let's get up. Come on. You've been here long enough. You know, when I say that, I don't just mean it rhetorically. Get up. This is a new year. I haven't changed. It's still me. Get out. Go love God and love others.